Alright guys, welcome back to Crossing Swords. This is episode two with myself, Andrew. And Jake. Yeah. And I'd just like to start by saying something, if I may. Obviously. Uh, which I may. It's, it's our podcast, We Make the Rules. Last week we should have put out the first episode. Yeah. We mostly shared it with friends and family, yes. But the feedback was really, really positive. Very surprising this time as well. Now I wasn't thinking anything when we made the first episode. Mm. But now... I'm a little bit terrified. Yeah. <laughs> the pressure to suddenly maintain any kind of standards and possibly even improve them. It's quite daunting. It is daunting. Yeah. And I wanted to just sort of say it because I think we want to be quite open and yeah. talk about our, our the, the you know, the F word. Let's talk about feelings. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling. And I just wanted to mention it. Uh, yeah, a little bit terrified. Yeah, I would, I'd say first off, I'd just like to thank everyone for the positive feedback. There were certain people who I shared it with that I deliberately shared it with them because I was hoping they'd be more critical, and they were, but also the positive feedback that came along with it was really encouraging, and uh, I just want to say thank you for that, but also that I am far more nervous about the second episode than so I was the first. Uh, but, yeah. And I owe a lot of people high fives now. Yeah, we've got to go do a round after this of just driving to people's houses and hugging I hoard myself out and really suffered yeah we've got a long list of people to go and hug now uh, but no it's brilliant thank you everyone for first of all listening and also for the positive feedback and we hope you continue listening going forward and continue giving us feedback and yeah. topics and episode ideas yeah. uh, but today we're going to talk about this week we've had the European finals yeah so we're going to talk about the European finals. Yeah, let's start off with the Europa League between Arsenal and Chelsea. Quite, let's do it chronologically. And I think we have to start before the game even starts. Yeah. The host venue. Baku. Azerbaijan. Something that I don't even consider technically being Europe. No. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, we're currently sitting in a room. With a with huge a world around. And Azerbaijan is, quite frankly, in Asia. <laughs> yeah. Once you get past Turkey, you're in Asia. Well, yeah, and it, it's next to Iran, so it's like Middle East. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you would quite class that as Europe, but I suppose it's uh, not. Yeah, it's pretty. No, and when you consider it's Europe-esque, when you consider how far <laughs> it is, it's no wonder that the companies want to charge you thousands of pounds to get there. Yeah, I mean, it was all a bit of a joke. I mean, just fundamentally holding the final of a tournament. For European countries in a country that and in a city that has no airports nearby is a bit of a joke. Yeah, and I think not to you know not to bring politics into it, but having it in a country where not all of your squad are going to be welcomed. Well, exactly. The whole immediately red flag situation was really horrendous. I mean, admittedly, he's not exactly their best player, but he's still a player, and the fact he wasn't welcome in that country is frightening. Yeah, uh, really, really bad. Free waiver. I mean, people yeah. were getting stopped in the streets. Yeah, for wearing a Mkhitaryan shirt. I mean, what a joke of a situation. Yeah. And it's all good having having tickets priced at £20, but... If people can't get it. <laughs> it costs you 30 And the waiver's official suggestion was to fly to an airport five and a half thousand kilometres away <laughs> yeah. and then wondered why people weren't that keen to travel three thousand miles not by yeah and then in air. the end actually had to give away tickets for free to get people to fill the stadium which is just overall it's just farcical but then okay it's been a joke it's been bad let's now talk about the football <laughs> we get to the stadium <laughs> the camera is further away from the pitch yeah. than Nicotara the fans is. are miles away from the pitch the fans are yeah that I, I don't even think they could see the game no but okay, 
the football starts. Yeah. What a shit game of football. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. I think the amount of goals is it flatters to deceive in terms of the Very quality much of the game. None of the players played well. No. It didn't I'm... feel like a fight. It felt like a friendly. Yeah. And yeah. I just think that there needed to be some kind of desire from yeah. both teams that just wasn't there. No, I don't think it was, which I think is a shame for both managers because it's a huge opportunity to get silverware on your CV. Particularly for Emery, who's coming in and people that are still doubtful of him, of his qualities as a manager, especially to come to England and take over Arsenal from Arsene Wenger. There's a lot of pressure there and I think it was a massive trophy opportunity. trophy really helped him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for Sari, I mean, I, I do think he's going to leave Chelsea, but he now gets to leave with a medal round his neck. Yeah, and, as does Hazard. Yeah. Who is, I think, we all... He's, he's got to leave, surely. I mean, he said after the game that he's pretty sure his time's up. And if I was Chelsea, I'd cash him and sell him personally. No, his time's absolutely up. Um, but I think you'd have to say Hazard was probably the man of the match. And I would say Giroud. I yeah, closely behind, but Hazard probably... Said that little chip it. for Hazard's finish? Yeah. Filthy. Loved yeah. it. Such a fan of that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think Giroud is massively underrated, and I think it shows how poor Arsenal's judgement is that he was probably the difference between the two teams, other than Hazard. Yeah. I think he was, and I think Arsenal went and go something really cheap, didn't they, as well? Yeah, it wasn't for much. I think it must have been... Because at first he was on loan, and then they signed him permanently. It must have been around the 15 million mark. And Drew was the top scorer for Chelsea in that competition. Yeah. In a competition that they ultimately won. And he's also won a World Cup in the last year as well. So I think it really shows that Arsenal have a poor lack of judgement. And for Chelsea, I want to ask you a question. They've obviously... It's been a little bit on and off during the Premier League this season. Mm. With a European trophy in the cabinet, do you consider that a successful season? By Chelsea's standards, if you look at them over the years, probably not. But if you look at the standards that were set in the Premier League this season, Sari finished third behind arguably two of the best teams we've seen in the Premier League era. So on balance, I'd probably say it has been a good season, particularly the fact he's won a trophy. Um, so yeah, I would say it's been a good season. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think it's been yeah. a good season. What about Arsenal? Cup They're final. Out of the Champions League places. I mean, on, on balance, again, I think with how big an impact that happens to a club as we've seen with United when Fergie left and now with Arsenal, with Arsene Wenger leaving. Now, I know the end of Wenger's tenure wasn't exactly great, but it's still a massive thing to take on and I think on balance Emery's probably done a decent job considering he's not had a lot of money to spend he's had to work with Wenger's squad essentially they're in a transition with him yeah and I think so to be fair to get to a European final with that squad with the great respect the Arsenal squad is terrible yeah apart from Lacazette and Aubameyang who have been fantastic this season yeah midfield terrible yeah defence even worse yeah and and Leno's been okay goal. they've been alright yeah. but that's a bad team so to get them anywhere near a final yeah. is I think a success I would say Arsenal need a massive rebuild but from what I've heard they've not got the money to do it no perhaps not but let's look at Arsenal's rivals Tottenham yeah. who played on Saturday in the Champions League final yeah. now just to compare Madrid as a host city to Baku yeah. there was a story about some Tottenham fans at Stansted Airport who got delayed on a flight 
didn't land in Madrid until half past seven local time. Yeah. They got rushed through the airport through all the checks and they got a police escort through to the stadium and to the best of my knowledge, made it on time. Which is a fantastic thing to pull off. They arrived an hour and a half before season. the game and got there for kickoff. Yeah. Which is a massive difference between them well, it shows a difference in infrastructure, doesn't it? It's a huge difference in infrastructure. Yeah. And I think you do need to really have a stringent checklist on what a host city has to have to host Absolutely. Can it get people in and out yeah. of the city? Can it get people to and from the games? Can it feed them? Can it keep them drunk? Because ultimately, football yeah. fans drink from all over the world. And also, have you got enough places for them to stay? Yeah. Now, now obviously, you... a city like Madrid has all of that. And clearly a city high back who doesn't... I realise you want to share it around, but if you don't have all those things, you yeah. can't host. No. And, you know, it's an interesting thing for UEFA. How do you pick some of the smaller nations without keeping it to the same three or four big yeah. cities who can do it? London, Madrid, yeah. those kind of places, Paris, that can... Mm. Um, um, there's got to be a better way to do it. I mean, even if they plan for five to ten years in advance, work with these cities and these countries to put the infrastructure in place or get the planning in place to get the infrastructure in place to make sure that they can host it properly and as a credit to the city they're trying to show off. Because all it's done now is, I, I mean, I wasn't planning on going to back before. <laughs> you're not, you look like but I'm certainly not planning on it now. You look like you really wanted to take in some of that Azerbaijani culture. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I... I one, I've always wanted to be that close to Iraq and Iran. So, uh, it, but I now, love, I love seeing, seeing how long it would take me to get there. It's and how much? Yeah, I've definitely been put off now. Um, but the game. But yeah, the game was really poor. It was um, not a good game. Yeah. Again, I think this one, like the other one, it felt like two teams who hadn't played for three weeks. Yeah, I think it's definitely a flaw with the European leagues and um, with the European finals and I know it's because they do it after the European European leagues have finished so obviously Italy and Spain carry on longer than the Premier League does so that's why we have such a big gap if we do make it to the as final as did Holland who nearly had a team in the final yeah bar a miraculous comeback from Lucas Moura yeah yeah the game it also the heat it was quite hot and sticky which really worries me because we've got a World Cup in Qatar coming up yeah apparently we can't have to if that. you thought 20, 25 degrees in Madrid was bad wait till you get out to 30 plus in Qatar there's all sorts of things wrong with that World Cup not just the temperature yeah I mean we could easily do a whole episode yeah, on that which I wouldn't mind doing at some point actually, but, um, but that's not what we're talking about the today the game wasn't great the penalty let's start there was it a penalty I think we both have very much the same view. Yeah, I, I would have to say, you do. if you have your hand that high up, regardless of what the purpose was for, and obviously clearly he was telling one of his players to, players track, the runner, to track the runner, but... But when you get in the box, hand behind the back. Yeah, you can't... I mean, it does actually look like, to be fair, Mane aims for his hand when he plays that ball, but fair play. I mean, you always say, you know, if the argument is quite often, if that was your team, well... As a Palace fan, if someone like Joel Ward had, a, had a committed that, my first thought would be, why the fuck is your arm up in the box? Yeah. Put your hand down. Put yeah. your hand down. I mean, I've got to be honest, I did feel quite sorry for Suzanne because if I was to look at someone in the Premier League that has been the most improved player this hands season... Hands down, one of the most He's got to be, because for years he's been ridiculed since moving to Tottenham that he was a waste of money, whereas I think this season he's changed that opinion. So for that to happen to him in the final... 
is really unfair. But and speaking of players who have become surprisingly key players, I would have to look at Divock Origi in Liverpool. Yeah, what's happened there? The man? luckiest goals. Someone once said, "Would you rather have uh, a good player or a lucky player?" Oh, you'd have and a lucky rather, player. Rather have the lucky, yeah, rather yeah. Have the lucky player. I think Divock Origi is very lucky. The goal. It was a nice strike, but it fell to him really beautifully. Yeah, I mean... His passing was off, his, he couldn't win anything for a shit. He had a bad game, yeah. but he popped up with a goal that won Yeah, I mean, literally, as soon as that ball fell to him, and I was watching it on telly at home, I instantly went, goal. Before, <laughs> before it had even gone to his foot, you just knew from that position, and with how he's played when he's been up front for Liverpool recently, I just thought, that's a goal, and it instantly just flew bottom corner, and fair play to him, and yeah... I, I believe his contract's expiring soon with Liverpool, so it'll be interesting to see yeah, I mean, whether they keep him. He's probably earning himself a new contract just on yeah. the goals he's provided this season. <laughs> yeah. Then I'd like to look at the other end of the, uh, of the pitch, at Tottenham's strike force, in Harry Kane, who really disappointed me last night because, yes, he's been injured and he perhaps shouldn't have played, but there was a couple of moments where his first instinct was to look for a foul. Yeah. And quite frankly, Harry Kane of a couple of years ago, and I think it goes to show that his experiences playing European football and playing at the, at the national level have been bad for him. Yeah. Because Harry Kane a couple of years ago would have been... I mean, he got one where he went shoulder to shoulder with Matip. A couple of years ago, he'd have barged Matip off the ball and rifled that with his left foot, just put power on it, or yeah. he'd have got in front of Matip and held him off. Yeah. But this time his first thought was, I'm going down. Yeah, go for the easy option. And it's really disappointing. Yeah, but it shows, obviously, I think maybe a level of self-doubt has maybe crept into him a little bit that, oh, maybe I'm not going to be able to score this if I muscle him off. So he thinks he backs himself more from the penalty spot than he does in those situations, which is a shame. Um, And I think from what I saw last night, I think there's a danger he could end up sort of going the way Wayne Rooney did. He kept dropping deep. I mean, to be fair to him, he pings a couple of beautiful balls in there. I think he's great in the role, Um, but you want him up front. Yeah, he has to stay as a striker. I think he needs to learn from Wayne Rooney's mistake and continue to be selfish. um, Absolutely. And be like, no, I have to be the main man or I don't stay here, you know. And I don't think that was uh, being forced on him to drop back last night, but I think it needs to be forced on him to just stay up top. No, he needs to be the the central focal point yeah, in that and I think to be fair, Tottenham overall were incredibly disappointed last night, and I actually hoped when that goal went in, I think it was one minute forty eight seconds, whatever it was. I really hoped that was going to liven the game up, but it did the complete opposite. It killed the game off. Credit to Tottenham; they were consistent in Europe. They waited till the eightieth minute to start having the <laughs> But no, they. I, and and the really sad thing was they had some opportunities where, had they been less selfish going forward, and it did very much feel like some of the players and I would probably put it on Son more than anyone gave the impression he saw the headlines he'd take it past someone yeah, and then got, think oh, I've got the next guy he Instead did really of, well yeah. to get past the first two but then yeah. there's a third or a fourth yeah just lay it off out. hold it for a second give it to someone and else and you compared it to you on FIFA yeah playing pro clubs Ash uh, it's a bit of a shout out to you whenever we would play I'm very much the sort of player I like to take it past people on pro clubs and he knows with me if I get it past the first guy he would start screaming at me to pass it to him because he knows once I've got past the first guy in my head I'm like alright I've got this now I'll take it past the next five and that was being like what it was watching Sun yeah and that, and that was night. very much what it felt like watching last night that Sun just got into his head I can do this on my own um, yeah. which was a real shame and I, I think until the last ten minutes Spurs didn't cover themselves in glory 
at all. But ultimately, two poor games. Yeah. But four English finalists. Yeah. Is that a good thing for English football? Has that been? I mean, it's a great achievement on paper. You know, when you hear that England dominated Europe this season. Well, I think it's a great thing for the Premier League, but I don't think it's a good thing for English football. I've got, I've, I, I've had a brief look at the numbers. So, obviously, twenty-two players in each in each final. That's forty-four players started on the pitch. Yeah. Eight of those were English, and I bet the majority were Spurs players. Five of them came from Tottenham. Yeah. If you include the subs that came on the pitch. 13. 13 English players, and let's say, because they didn't all use all their subs, but yeah. let's say each team had two subs, that takes it up to 50 players that played in the final. Yeah. That's 26% of the players yeah. were English. 27% if you include Robertson, at a bit of a push. I mean, the Europa League final was really disappointing, because Ainsley Maitland-Niles is the only English player that started out of those 22. Wow, that's quite shocking, actually. Joe Willock came on quite late for Arsenal yeah. and Ross Barkley came on for Chelsea later in the game. That's it. Three players played in that game. Yeah. Only one of them started that was English. That's not a good thing. That's not an advert for English football. No, it's not at all. But then I, I, I think, unfortunately, the way the Premier League has gone in general, it's not about English talent anymore. It's, it's just about talent in general, whether they're English or from another country. And I think... Most big clubs in England now, they can't afford, with the pressures of the money and everything, that they have to go for someone who's more proven. And they won't take the risk on a young English player. No. It's just not going to happen. Spurs is the only team in England that does it. But Or in the Premier League, rather, that does if it. If we can stick with Spurs, then, mm. let's talk a little bit about Pochettino. Yeah. And what he's done. And I think i just like to give a big shout-out, and I've said it before, to the staff at Southampton, who found him. Yeah. Because let's not remember that, okay, Van Dyke was doing a bit in Celtic, but they also found Van Dyke, Lovren, yeah. uh, Oxlade Chamberlain came yeah. to the academy, they found Mane, yeah. they found Alana. Yeah. They deserve a lot of credit. They can't hold players or managers. No, they're not big enough. Bloody hell, they found some. Yeah. No, in all fairness, um, Pochettino has been incredible since he's come to English football. I mean, I remember when he joined Southampton, I was really sceptical because I liked Nigel Adkins at the time. And I, that and sentence is not aged well. No, and I, I was, <laughs> and I actually, I think I put a post on at the time saying I thought it was disgusting they sacked him, but I think boy, were you wrong? Yeah, completely. Um, and Pochettino has been a fantastic manager. I remember even holding against him that it took him a year to do an interview in English. <laughs> Me too, but my favourite thing about Pochettino now, just linking it to the English thing, is that he does seem to favour wherever he goes, putting a majority of homegrown players Which in is his teams. When he was at you know, Southampton, again, a lot of those players were English. I know Southampton are a bit more limited to buying from yeah, other leagues. But, but still, teams in their position would usually still favour finding someone. No, from and, and it's, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic thing to be doing and yeah. that is promoting the English game yeah I think more managers should follow Pochettino's lead, uh, lead but Pochettino I mean, has done more for the English national side than anyone in the last 10 years agreed 15 years yeah I'd agree because all the players that are playing in England are getting their game time at Tottenham yeah I think it's uh, we, we really owe him a lot yeah, we do. And I think uh, people will criticise the fact he's not won a trophy and he hasn't won the Champions League now. But, I mean, if you look on balance, even just on paper, Liverpool should have always won that final. They have the they far better team. But I think Spurs and Pochettino have shown what can be done 
by not actually spending money, showing faith in the team you've got, and promoting domestic talent. Which, let's use that as a jumping off point, yeah. links us brilliantly to and the, the second thing that we want to talk about today, which we've been asked about by one of our fans, and I'm going to call him a fan, he's a friend but he's a fan now. Yeah, we're, we're naming him a fan. Money in football, lots of reports this week that Newcastle United are to be bought. Yeah. By a, uh, uh, an Arab shake, whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. Wouldn't even try. Wouldn't embarrass myself. Oh, yeah, maybe. But he asked us, "Do we think that's a good move for Newcastle? What do you do if Newcastle get it?" Now, my first thought is, does anyone remember the fake shake that the Sun used to have a few years ago? Has anyone checked that it's this guy? Because Mike Ashley would be prime target as far as I'm concerned. Possibly, but I think if there's one thing you can guarantee with Mike Ashley, he makes sure the money's on the table. He doesn't care if they're fake or real. You're right, he wants to get paid. Yeah. He wants to get paid. Money, money, money. I think on paper, it's a fantastic thing for Newcastle. I think it's a good thing for the Premier League because Newcastle were very much what I would consider a sleeping child. On paper, it's very hard to, to say that £350 million Injection, or it's not even 350 million, but no. an Arab injection of money is yeah. bad for any club. No, it's not. I mean, if it, it depends on their motives. I mean, we saw the teams like Portsmouth in the past, they had a, an Arab millionaire takeover, and it turned out he actually had no money to spend, and it was a complete disaster. So it can go badly, but from what I've heard, this guy's genuine, and uh, I think he could be good for Newcastle. I think Newcastle are very lucky, they've got a great stadium, yeah. and they don't have any difficulty bringing players to the city because if you go there and you don't play shit and that's, that's literally hero. the minimum yeah, requirement you're a you are a god in that yeah. country or in that part of the country so I think they're really lucky in that regard uh, what I would say for Newcastle not to do is when City had their first injection of money and they went out and they bought players like Robinho yeah. it's essentially like winning the lottery and buying a great big flash watch yeah. it serves no purpose at all no. other than to say look I've got some money <laughs> I've got a flash watch <laughs> And all it does is it makes you look like a bit of a wanker. Yeah, it does. I think... Invest it. Yeah, they've got... Buy a house, buy a, buy a car, start up a business or something that's going to make you genuinely happy going Yeah, don't forward. just smash it on cocaine that's what and <laughs> That arguably would make me quite happy. Temporarily until the money runs out and you're in hospital for... Or until the hookers rob me. Yeah. Yeah, good point. But no, I, I think very much... I think... Newcastle, like I said, I think it's a sleeping giant. They've got a world-class manager and coach in Rafa Benitez. He's Imagine what trophies. he could do with money. Yeah, but it exposes him if he does get if they do get taken over and he gets the money to spend. There's no hiding place anymore because at the right. moment he's been given a free ride more or less because of the love the fans have for him and the fact he's had no money to spend. I think Newcastle, in in large, thanks to, to Benitez's setup yeah. as well. Defensively, I think they're okay. Yeah. They've got themselves who's a fantastic captain and centre-back. But they need goals. Yeah. I know they brought in Almiron last season. Yeah. But they need a playmaker. Yeah. Because I don't think he's proven enough yet. And Shelby... No, but maybe with some backup behind him, he could do. Shelby wants to be a part-time boxer. And a goal scorer. Because Rondon, I really like Rondon. He works hard. And I love Perez. Yeah. But they're they're not not top quality. They're not going to get you 20 a season. No. I mean, what I would ask you is do you think Mike Ashley was or is as bad as the Newcastle fans think from the outside? No. I think they... But that's really easy for me to say because they paint a really bad picture of Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, there's part of me that wonders 
obviously you did you mentioned that Mike Ashley was all about the money getting yeah. paid but there's part of me that wonders did he genuinely look at the situation like what happened at Portsmouth and say I don't want to see this club tumble down by get, having some irresponsible owner who doesn't yeah. really care take over and was he was part of him and I'm just playing devil's advocate here I'm not yeah. saying I believe it but did part of him believe that he was holding on for that to find the right buyer who's actually going to take Newcastle at least keep it at the same level if not take yeah. it forward perhaps I mean I, from what I've heard about Mike Ashley and how his other companies like Sports Direct run I don't think he had any altruistic purposes when he bought Newcastle or in the way he's running but what I would say, I don't think he's as bad as Newcastle fans make him out to be. I think doing things like renaming St James's Park the Sports Direct Arena what and things like that, those <laughs> things do not win you over any fans with the fans. No, anywhere, um, particularly in Newcastle. No. Um, and to be fair... You I might as well come out. I don't think anyone calls it the Sports Direct Arena. They still call it St James's Park. Yeah, I mean, you might as well wipe your arse with photos of Ant on deck and... Yes. No, I mean really insult yeah. the Geordies or start um, vandalising Alan Shearer's statue yeah just take a leap <laughs> up against it or yeah. something um, but no I think actually if you look at what he's done behind the scenes I mean especially attracting someone like Rafa Benitez to the club is a huge achievement um, and keeping him there when they got relegated and then also if you look at how he's run the club financially now the fans will complain that the money's not been invested which is fair enough, but actually, going back to teams like Portsmouth and stuff like that that did overspend, Bolton, teams that have gone down and you've seen the damage that's been done to the club because they've had owners that have thrown money at it, like Bolton in particular, that have had an owner that over the years has thrown nearly £200 million at the club for nothing. And ended up not even playing their last couple of games in the season. Exactly, and Newcastle... No have been relegated twice under Mike Ashley and come back up. Now, yes, the relegations are appalling and they're too big a club to keep but going down. But they did down. come straight back up. But they've come straight back up. And the last time, he did invest money into the club. He allowed them to get players like Dwight Gale, who got them back up, and players of that ilk. And I think if you look at them on a financial footing, they are, I believe, one of the only teams in the league to be operating transfer-wise on a profit. Yeah, there aren't many, and no. all of them are at the bottom end of the table. And he hasn't lent the club money and put money in. And rightfully so, he's entitled to want that money back. You know, why should he throw money at the club freely? That's not what he ever vowed to do. He vowed to, vowed to invest in the club, which he has done. No, I think he's a businessman. I think all fans want their club to be taken over by fans yeah. who are happy to spend their fortune on yeah. the club. But he's a businessman. Yeah, but that's also not a smart way of running a football club. Like I said, look at Portsmouth, look at Sunderland, look at Bolton, clubs that have had money invested in them and it's been invested in the wrong no, way. And it would be like if you if you were into cars and you built up this car, you built up you got this little shitty banger and you yeah. built it up and you put all these body mods on it and you did the engine up and yeah. you properly modified it and you spent thousands of pounds on it. You wouldn't then sell it on for like fifty quid because no. you love the car. You've because, invested it because you're happy to see it go. Because you're like, I really that's I'm so proud of the car. I don't care about the money. Yeah. You want your money back. Yeah. You're like I've invested that money. Therefore, the club is worth, in yeah. your mind, what you've invested in it. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong. I can understand why, as a passionate Newcastle fan, you would think everything I'm coming out with is a pile of shit, and that he should have been running it differently. But as we've said, he's 
he's obviously not a Newcastle fan in the way a no, normal not. fan would be. He's, he's not. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. And he's ran it as a business, which, quite frankly, is the way a football club should be run. You know, you shouldn't spend above your means. You shouldn't Absolutely. keep going into debt. Like I said, just look over the years how many clubs have been in trouble from overreaching. And if they do get this investment and they do have someone who can throw money at it, fantastic, that is also, brilliant. Just going off of what you're saying, if they do get this investment, I'd be very wary about throwing money into it in case the investment suddenly leaves. Well, that's it. But then I thought the same and about then you're Man left City. With hundreds of thousands of pounds a week on the wage bill. I wondered if that would happen with Man City. Um, and I do still think there's a chance one day that Sheikh Mansour is going to sell Man City and then they're going to be in a position that's not so great. But what he has also done at the same time is he's invested in everything around the club and he's growing it globally, financially and in every other way he can. And I think that's the best thing to do if you are going to throw money at a football club. It shouldn't just be about throwing it on the pitch. It's about doing it in general. You know, yeah, Investing the money in increasing your marketability around the world I mean if you look at United the amount of debt United has but they can sustain it because of their global range is when Lenny Henry pops himself off to Africa to do a little video you want him gathering round with little African kids who are all wearing Newcastle shirts (laughs) because right now they're all wearing United shirts and Chelsea shirts you want them wearing Newcastle shirts that's a sign of how far your brand's gone yeah when you can go into a jungle somewhere and they know who uh David Beckham is, you know, your club's mate. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you track a, you know, like a cocaine supply line right back to the growers in the heart of the Colombian jungle, yeah. and they're all cutting the plants wearing Newcastle shirts, you've done your job. Yeah. You've done well. 100%. And I think that ultimately is probably not a bad place. No, I mean, we've missed out on one thing in terms of the European games. We uh, wanted to talk about the four managers in general. We've talked about Emery and how he done. Uh, should we move? And um, we've talked about Pochettino as well, and sorry, but we've missed out one. We've missed out Klopp. In Klopp we trust. In Klopp we trust. I can't remember there being anyone in my lifetime in football as likeable as Klopp. You just want him to do well. He's yeah. your mate. Yeah. He's so passionate. And his track record is phenomenal. Oh, it's incredible. I was worried about his cup final record. It hasn't been great. Won the first one, then lost, I think, four. Yeah. The next four. I mean, in fairness, they probably could have won it last year if not for Carriers having well, this is the arguably thing. They the by, worst goal. Lost by two goals and they were two of the worst goals I've ever seen conceded yeah. in my life. Yeah. They were genuinely terrible. Yeah. And that poor guy is going to... I mean, it's still haunting him now. He's at the shit test making howls still I mean genuinely I don't like the fact that sometimes I close my eyes and I get flashbacks to paintball <laughs> and the noise of the pellets flying <laughs> over your head imagine having the ball I mean, off I, your I have Vietnam flashbacks of stepping out the way of an attacking player at five side so it was bad it was bad and I know there are pl- the people listening to this podcast that will remember it not so fondly uh, and rightfully so no when he says stepping out the way of a player he literally means as a defending player an attacker was running towards him and he stepped to one side and ushered him through politely onto the goal and he scored and he scored and he didn't thank you though did he? he didn't thank me which I I thought was quite rude after doing something so polite for him because really it was all down to you yeah, I mean, if anything, I should have been given an assist. That's how or a big a step to the side I made. You should have slowly stuck a fiver in the palm of your hand or minimum something, like fiver. a good doorman. Yeah, minimum fiver. 
but Klopp's done some incredible things at Liverpool yeah, again has. I know we talked about Arsenal having not a very good team Liverpool don't really have a very good no I mean if you, if you look at that defence before Van Dijk was put in it was horrendous it was, it was genu- terrible the reason they had to be so good on the attack was Van because Dijk of how bad they were at the back Van Dijk okay cost a lot of money but Van Dijk and Robertson made the biggest difference in that team oh 100% but even Robertson wasn't considered as good as he is this season no before Van Dijk was put in but you look at that midfield and you think Ronaldo, Fabinho Henderson you think are yeah. they all replaceable yeah, yeah. The I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm being really harsh, and admittedly, Henderson's been a good player for Liverpool overall. Probably one of the worst captains in the history of the Champions League to lift the trophy. I think Klopp's got a really tough job now because at the end of a season, you have to have a culling. You have to get rid of players to bring players in yeah. that are going to genuinely improve your squad. And he's had a squad that really overperformed. Yeah. And a lot of them, on the base of this season, have earned a new contract. They've earned a place in that team. Yeah. But to really take the team forward, they've you got to go. Cut a few of them off, yeah. So I think he's got a really tough job. Yeah. But do you know what? Honestly, of all the people I can think getting fired by, I think Klopp would be one that I wouldn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'd get it. Yeah, no, I do really like Klopp. But like, I, I do feel a little bit sometimes when I watch him. It reminds me of a little bit like when Palace got Ian Holloway. He looks great from afar. And you'd love having him at that point, but once he's your manager, I can just imagine some of the things he does. Yeah, would well, let's, you a little let's bit. not forget the excuses. It was too snowy. It was too windy. It was too wet. <laughs> um, it wasn't wet enough. Yeah, they've all been fantastic excuses. Yeah. But no, to be fair to him, he has done an incredible job at Liverpool. But I think probably at the start of the season if you'd have asked Liverpool fans what they would have preferred the Premier League or the Champions League I'm pretty sure they'd have gone for the Premier League Um, but overall you'd have to say they've had a phenomenal season they've got a kick on make sure they don't get disheartened by the the loss this season and and the club's got to build them back up and keep going and carry on with good work no I agree and I think Klopp Klopp's probably a better place to end than like starving African children, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. It's a higher note. Yeah, he's I mean, definitely Klopp's, more Klopp's, joyful than starving African. Klopp's children. won a medal. The Africans haven't won anything. No, they haven't won anything. They can't even. They don't get fed. No, they don't deserve to get fed. They never won anything. Wow, it's a bit brutal. Start winning things. <laughs> Do you know what? Well, well, we, had, we had a good place to end, and I ruined it, didn't I? Yeah. Well. Yeah. As Jeremy Clarkson would say, on that bombshell, (laughs) I think we'll end it there. Um, But once again, guys, thank you for all of your feedback, positive and constructive. Um, We hope you continue to do that. Please send us questions on our Twitter page at at Swords Crossing. Crossing. On our Facebook page, Crossing Swords. And uh, we also have an email address, which is crossingswords19 at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll be on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. Yeah. Even though you've now heard this, go and play it in the background on one of the others. Let's get those listens up. Yeah. Tell people you like, tell people you don't like. Yeah. Share it around. We want Yeah, even if you hate it, share it with someone you don't like so that you can punish them for it. We don't count, by the way, as people you don't like. You can't just share it with us. Yeah, that's not going to work. No, we've already played it several times at this point. Exactly. And I'm not going to pour myself out this time. I'm not going to promise high fives or hugs. No, but we still owe you high fives and hugs for the first one. No, if we get to like 50 listeners, I might start offering out blowjobs. Wow. Hand jobs, maybe? Yeah, for like 25. (laughs) 25 listeners, hand jobs. Yeah. (laughs) 
Jesus, what are we going to do if we ever make it to a thousand listeners? <laughs> You're right, I should hold the blowjob back. Yeah, I think a blowjob's a higher reward. Blowy should be... Yeah. Yeah, I should hold the blowjob back. Yeah. Disregard that, listeners. Blowjob is for a thousand fans. Yeah. Alright, now, uh, we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.